Welcome, everybody, back to the Pittsburgh Oddcast. My name is Andrew Lindbergh. I'm the producer of the program. And with me, as always, is the founder of The Odd, Mysterious, and Fascinating History of Pittsburgh, John Chalkowski. Well, hello, everyone. I hope uh, everyone's in the mood for Halloween time because we have some special episodes lined up. And we're going to begin this one. Back in 2015, I was uh, well, I was invited here to KDK Studios to appear on the Mike Pintech show of all shows that was you know being on aired uh, and I've been on the morning show and the afternoon shows and uh, Mike Pintech was like the one I never was ever on so I uh, he invited me in and uh, we were I was on once already before talking about just general history stuff but he wanted to bring bring me back on during the week of Halloween uh, because he was a sucker for a good Halloween tale. He was the best at it. He, he was the best yeah. at ghost stories and UFOs and all that creepy stuff. Um, That's right. Mike, people that know Mike, he was very opinionated politically, but he was either, if you agreed with him or you didn't, he was one of the best talk show hosts yeah. that we've ever had here at KDK. Yeah, and probably, absolutely. I considered him a friend. Um, I, I saw him a week before he passed, and um, he he was a good man. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it says something a lot about him. And uh, same thing. I mean, we completely disagreed, you know, politically. And uh, we're almost you're angry at him, you know, for talking about these things. And, and yet when, you, when you're when you talking to him in person and, you know, you're right in front of him and we're having a discussion, we had one of the best discussions we've ever had. Yeah. And, and it was, uh, you know, I was only supposed to be on for a limited amount of time and I ended up being on as a show for the full three hours. So, Which is insane. Yeah. Because... Why that's never happened before? Yeah, in the history of Mike Pintech shows, he never had a guest on his entire show, like the length of the entire show, until how the day before Halloween, nineteen uh, two thousand fifteen, and um, so we would like to for this Halloween season rehash that episode, and uh, you're going to hear many, many strange and unusual tales. Now, uh, the, the thing I found most fascinating about this episode is that we really talk about. Um, what it means, the supernatural, what it means, and how you can relate it to your own life and and throughout the history of Pittsburgh and kind of what you see patterns or stories and if there's any kind of connections. And we talk a lot of uh, metaphysical things even and philosophical things. And uh, and that's when the episode really is good, you know, when we're talking about the meaning of life and death. And, you know, I find it even more fascinating now that he has since passed away. Yeah. And to hear what his opinion was on, uh, you know, the afterlife is fascinating. Well, I, the the funny thing is about Mike is he was very close guarded. Mm-hmm. Um, his longtime partner, Linda, I they worked together for three years before I found out that they were dating. Wow. That's how close guarded he was. Yeah. And I feel like you get a glimpse into the person that Mike really was deep inside in his conversations with you because he opens up, but not in a personal way, just kind of in a philosophical way of maybe the way that he thinks. Yeah. I mean, it was, uh, you know, all Paul, I mean, there, he does mention some politics, but it's well, yeah, not but, because that's his nature, but it was not a, in any kind of negative way. And, and, and what we're talking about is so universal. And, uh, and he understood that and he knew that this is not a, divided issue type of thing uh you know if you see the boogeyman in your closet it doesn't matter if you're a whig or a republican or a democrat or whatever you know you're terrified <laughs> exactly and so some things like ghosts are universal uh some may say they they even uh, bring us together and uh 
and we go through kind of Pittsburgh's greatest hits in this episode. So I've I dug up stories, no pun intended, of um, tales of Boogeyman and Millvale and uh, the night of the uh, the broadcast of War of the Worlds. How did Pittsburgh react to this broadcast? We will, we will find out in this episode. And the funny thing is that we'll find out is that KDKA did not have the War of the Worlds broadcast. That was on, I believe, KQV. Yeah, yeah, it was a different station. The KDKA was playing symphony music, um, which actually plays into this whole thing and, and some of the panic, the legitimate panic that people in Pittsburgh experienced. I mean, it was a, it's a pretty fascinating tale, and, and you guys are going to love it. And I uh, hope you enjoy, and um, make sure you uh, pull up a campfire if you can, you know, uh, initiate yourself in the Midnight Society here at Odd Pittsburgh, <laughs> and uh, enjoy the episode. This is Mike Pintick at his best, and Mike, we miss you, and this is a tribute to you, sir. John is the founder of the Odd, Mysterious, and Fascinating History of Pittsburgh, and you're on uh, Facebook, too, uh, so it's facebook.com slash Pittsburgh, and you can find his page there. And and uh, you were, were gracious enough to come in this afternoon and, and to talk with us here in the studio once again. So, John, welcome back. Yeah, thanks for having me. Did, before we do, go any further, let's talk about this the exorcist uh, story sure. for just a moment. Um, I, I was telling you about this, and you, you were not aware. They're, they're going to do this live. They're going to do an exorcism. And they're saying that this house somehow, uh, and, and I know you told me that you're not really familiar with it, but supposedly this house in St. Louis has somehow tied into the, the Exorcist story because the Exorcist movie was based on supposed reality. Correct, yeah. Um, oh, you do know about that? Mo- yeah, most we'll talk tales, about that, yeah, most tales, especially when it comes to exorcism and the movie The Exorcist itself, are based on real tales. It's... Um, it's one I'm going to have to see to believe it. <laughs> what you mean tonight? Tonight, yeah. yeah. But it's. Uh, I, I'm not sure I want to. Wa- once again, I'm not sure I want to watch that because some, some of these some of these things just hit a little too close to home. If you know mm-hmm. what I mean, because I I start looking around the house and I'm thinking, oh my god, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and I I I freely admit it. I'm I'm a real wimp mm-hmm. when it comes to that kind of stuff. And now I do love horror movies for sure. Uh, in general, like like things like Alien, science fiction, but that was also primarily a horror film. Right, loved that film. Oh yeah, one of the best ever. Saw The Exorcist, scared the living daylights out of me, but it, but it was a good good movie. Being but afraid is a good thing. Trust me, it's uh, it's good for us. It's good for your health. Oh really? Afraid. Okay, is. why is that, John? Um, it it's goes all the way back to our biological makeup really? and how it's uh, the fear of the unknown, the fear of dark, the fear of being chased. All these things tie into our primeval fears, and it's uh, it's important to learn from those. It makes you stronger. So it's a good thing to be scared witless yeah. in a film. That's why people love roller coasters. Uh, well, Same I love thing. I do love roller coasters. Absolutely love roller coasters. All right. You told me that you have a couple of stories that we can start off with that you've never told before. I do. I do. All right. Let's do it. Well, uh, here's a good Pittsburgh fact for Halloween. Uh, Andrew Carnegie. Um Probably the most famous name that come out of Pittsburgh. And uh, when he died in 1919, do you know where he's buried? Actually, I don't, know. He's buried in the Dutch burial ground at Sleepy Hollow Cemetery okay. in New York. No one knows why. Okay. He doesn't have family up there. Well, is that supposed to be a haunted place up there? Or it's where what? the Headless Horseman apparently is buried oh, is in the that same right? exact cemetery. Oh, okay. All right. So that's why that's why that Sleepy Hollow f- rang a bell up here. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's uh, it's interesting. On his tombstone, it says, here lies a man who knew how to enlist men better than himself. 
Well, he wrote that. He, he's kind of like almost the original Donald Trump, right? Exactly. When you think about it, he really was. Yeah, yeah. he really. Was. So, but I mean, why would he have been buried there? You, that, that is you, you don't have any speculations. I found all the different obituaries from him and all the different articles surrounding his death. The pneumonia is when he died uh, mm-hmm. in 1919, and there's there's no mention of why he chose Sleepy Hollow ground. I don't know if it was a story he liked. I I really. Don't know. It's almost but, a. But it was his decision. It was his, his decision, will that he his be, uh, design wow. for the tombstone. It's, it's an odd place. It's not like there's other, ma- you know, industrial magnets buried in the same <laughs> cemetery. It's just a very odd place for uh, the most famous uh, Carnegie to end up. Was he wasn't to your knowledge? He wasn't into the occult or anything like that. No, you know? not, not that, that we know. Not that we know. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, okay. What else? Uh, we got a good one. There's a uh, a haunting I found from 1912 uh, in Pitcairn. Pitcairn. Yeah. Okay. The Pitcairn of all, all right. places. It was on um, uh, Broadway is the street that, that the house is still standing, by the way. So I'm not going to mention the address. Do I have pictures of this someplace? I thought I... Oh, here it is. Is this it right that here? That is it. I'm looking at the that picture right here. Yeah. The house still stands. Um, and it looks like this? It looks kind of like that. Now, there's it's a little bit sits on a hill. A little bit. It looks like a wooden uh, siding type of house. Yeah, exactly. like an old style, like like your grandma's house. Yeah, yeah. back in the old days. There was days. Uh, okay. at least three different accounts of people coming and going within months of moving in, mm-hmm. uh, which is abnormal even for back then, 1912. But uh, what really made it interesting was uh, the discovery by the next owners of a bloodied bat wrapped in a, in a, in a bloodied skirt in the basement of this house. And was the, was that a crime? Uh, that they assumed I mean, it was from a, a crime. crime, or was it, or could it be that that it was an animal that somebody? Well, they invented the county detectives there, and while they were oh. there, they they claim, according to this newspaper article. Now, this is from June. It's not from like it's from Halloween time. Right. right. Okay. So in right. June of 1912, 1912, okay. they claimed right. that a couch floated a hundred and fifty. I mean, a hundred and fifty pound couch floated on from the floor up on top of their kitchen table while they were sitting there in the room. While the detectives are sitting there. While the detectives Grizzled are there. police detectives. Yes. <laughs> okay, so, so so what's the conclusion here? Uh, they claim it was just uh, that neighborhood haunted house. They, they never were able to solve what was causing the haunting or why it was haunted. Unlike other cases, you could find usually a backstory. There's some kind of murder that happened in this house or Yeah, but other you're implying, I mean, the implication is, according to the story, if they, if they found a bloodied bat wrapped up in somebody's skirt. Yeah. It sounds like there may have been a crime committed. That's what you think that would happen, but there was no clues, no other than this bat. Uh, they couldn't. They didn't have DNA. Nobody missing. Then, so nobody missing. But, but you said that there were several that that people would move in and then quickly move out. Mm-hmm. In and fact, they watched the house for a couple of weeks, uh, making sure that that people were coming and going. Maybe they were using it while it was abandoned for a place to murder people, but. It, it, it was never made clear. Today, a house like that might be a meth uh, cooking operation or something <laughs> exactly. along those lines, yeah. but not, not in those days, not in 1912. Right. And you say the house still exists. Do people live in the house today? Uh, yeah, they do. And uh, part of the, the the nice thing about having a Facebook page is you can post a story like this, mm-hmm. and the people who do live in that house contact me. Oh, really? And send me more additional photos and tell me additional stories about even things that happened there in the 1980s, 1990s. And, oh, and, these, are, uh, these are the people who currently live there, and right. they've been living there since the 80s and 90s? Uh, correct, yeah. Oh, now, wow. it actually is slated to be torn down uh, within the next year or so. So, well, that'll tick the ghosts off, right? Yeah, exactly. All right, I'll tell you what. We're going to take a break. Uh, we will continue to tell some of those stories that those people have passed on to you. The, so we're talking about the Pitcairn House mm-hmm. from 1912 that was believed to be haunted, and you're saying it is haunted, according to these people. According to many accounts. All right, John Schalkowski is the founder of the odd, mysterious, and fascinating history of Pittsburgh. You can find him on pay, uh, Facebook. 
Odd Pittsburgh is the handle there on Facebook. We will continue. Open the phone lines, 866-391-1020 on this Halloween Eve. Talking to John about some of the haunted uh, ghost stories of Pittsburgh, some of the odd things here in Pittsburgh, 866-391-1020. The other thing uh, we do want to talk about, too, is the War of the Worlds uh, broadcast, because tonight is the anniversary of that. Correct. And we will, we'll t- and that had a, uh, an effect here in Pittsburgh as well. It certainly did. So we'll talk about that coming up on KDKA. We were talking about this house in Pitcairn. We just got a call. John Schalkowski, founder of the odd, mysterious, and fascinating history of Pittsburgh, from a listener who said, "Up oh, the Pitcairn house, the haunted house that we were just talking about, has now been tur- torn down." You said it was about to be. Well, it has been apparently. Exactly. And and the, the listener said that the, the family moved out rather quickly. Yeah. Okay, but you said that they these people had who were living in this house had contacted you via Facebook to talk about the house. I did. So, well, so tell I, me about I posted it. a story about two weeks ago, <laughs> so it must have been fairly recent. Yeah, apparently. And, uh, yeah, they confirmed that not only this story was one of the many things that have occurred in this house, uh, let alone feelings like being watched, mm-hmm. footsteps on the stairs. Mm. You're kind of generic haunting mm-hmm. uh, type of thing. That's that very typical. Footsteps, you hear it footsteps. Is. You might see something fleeting, some kind of shadowy thing. Yeah. yeah. And, and there is an explanation for some of this. Okay. And, um, and it's one thing that it's interesting to talk about. So, you, you know, that they say that most ghosts or paranormal activity has to do with energy. And uh, we all have energy flowing through us. Because okay. if I brought my cell phone out and put up the microphone, it would cause some static interference and we also know that energy cannot be created or can't be destroyed so what happens to all this energy that's flowing around when when we go away is there a possibility for a house or something like that to actually trap this energy is that ghosts or are those footsteps actually you from maybe even a a year ago Hmm. Uh, is and maybe if there, there was some kind of tragedy or some sudden death, oh, so it's not, could so it it's be not, released and just trapped and replayed. So it could be from someone who's deceased, mm-hmm. and and they are, they say that uh, who's they? Well, you know, people who study this stuff and who uh, who investigate this stuff, they they say that if there's a violent death in a in a structure or mm-hmm. in a place, if there's a suicide in a place mm-hmm. or a structure, that that m- m- is more likely to be where you're going to find the, these, this haunting, right. I guess, for lack you know, of a better uh, term. A better term would be uh, the disturbance in the force. Disturbance <laughs> in the force. Okay, okay. So yeah. so that's one possibility. But you just said a moment ago these kinds of things could actually be us, the living. Correct. From uh, you got to explain that one. Part, it's actually part of Einstein's relativity theory, believe it or not. Okay. Uh, where it, it has to do with how the mass and your energy, it simply just cannot be destroyed. Mm-hmm. Is there a way for residual electronics for the home itself, for wood, you know, for brick-and-mortar type places to record this information or to even be trapped into a certain area, your energy, uh, your your family's so energy? So then what you're saying is a, is a form of a hologram? Almost, like your dog's energy. Uh, you know, I've had cases where dogs just bark at a corner. That used to be a spot where the dog, another dog used to sleep yeah. that's passed away. Yeah. Uh, is there is that a possible explanation? I don't know. I mean, it's interesting to. I mean, you have cases where it's legitimate. You see, like a boogeyman coming at you in the middle of the night. Okay, <laughs> okay. But then you have other cases where what's that sound? You know, what's that noise in the footsteps? Right. You know, who's that knocking at my door? And you're saying that could be residual energy could be us. from from us. Could be us. Uh, us, the living. Yeah. And, and uh, I was saying, is that when you see stuff like that, then it's a form of a hologram, is what you're speculating. You know, uh, essentially. You oh, know, okay. or, or it's uh, and your mind is a powerful thing. I mean, there's still things that we we don't know. And, and that's what makes the paranormal and ghost stories so important. And, and ghost stories in general, I mean, the rule of thumb is 
uh, there's a good saying, it, it's, we die two deaths. Uh, the first is your natural death. The second is the last time someone speaks your name. Oh. You know, and... Never, well, but if you're dead, what do you care? Well, you know, it, I'm sure Beethoven, people like that cared. I'm sure George Washington cared that people remembered him. Yeah. And, and well, we still your remember legacy, them. Per se. Yeah. And by keeping that legacy alive, you're essentially keeping that person alive. It doesn't matter if they're here or not in, a, in reality. It's just their essence, their their name continues uh, until that disappears. Then, uh, you know, it's almost like we're holding on to these memories, not wanting to let them go. All right. We, we're still to come. I want to run down a couple of things, a couple of the notes that I have, stuff that you, you that you do want to talk about in the next half hour. Uh, so John Shalkowski is with us. He is the founder of the Odd, Mysterious, and Fascinating History of Pittsburgh. Odd Pittsburgh on Facebook, if you want to check that out. He's got some of the stories there, and you can contact him there. Anyway, uh, we're going to talk about the phantoms. You say that you've been investigating phantoms, that there's a clown that terrorizes East Liberty. Is that was that in the past, or is that today? Uh, that was in the past. Okay. Right. Well, I, was, I haven't heard anything about clowns uh, terrorizing people in East Liberty. Uh, also, the Dempsey murders in Perrysville. That's another one of the notes mm-hmm. that I have here. And, oh, and we have to talk about the War of the Worlds broadcast, which is actually the anniversary is tonight. Mm-hmm. And and, uh, it, it, of course, it was broadcast here in Pittsburgh, but not by KDKA. Not by uh, WJAS. All right. We're going to talk about that, the aftermath of that as well, and what that was all about, in case you've never heard of that. Uh, how many years ago was it that they did the War of the Worlds broadcast? 77 years ago at 8 tonight. o'clock tonight. Tonight. Okay. And and this was uh, Orson Welles, the mm-hmm. great actor, director. Um, and voice. Well, that's right. Voiceover <laughs> yeah. guy. He, he, uh, he was amazing. And, and he, he did the War of the Worlds narrated it, mm-hmm. which was written by H.G. Wells. Mm-hmm. In fact, I, a few weeks ago, it was the, they, they had the, the 50s movie version of that. There was a newer version but with Tom Cruise in it, with all right. the special effects, which is pretty cool. Uh, but the uh, the old version was on just a few weeks ago, and I, I watched a little bit of it. it pretty much got bored uh, with it. But uh, 77 years ago tonight, 8 o'clock, Orson Welles goes on the air mm-hmm. and reads or narrates the story of War of the Worlds. So these are alien beings that come to the planet Earth, mm-hmm. and are taking over. Oh, oh right, yeah, so, so pick up. And, and, and it was broadcast here in Pittsburgh, not on KDKA, as some people believed. It was on one of our uh, WJAS, competitors, WJAS. Yeah. Yes, and um, right at 8, 8 o'clock, actually, you had an Old West show on, and then at 8.30, you had the Johnstown Symphony, is what was here playing on, on KDKA. On KDKA. Yeah, oh, okay. But um, you have to understand that in 1938, um, the, the, the way that Orson Welles and the Mercury Theater approached the story of the War of the Worlds was not a reading from the book, of H.G. Uh, Wells from the 1890s. This was a new take to almost feel like it was happening right then and there live. It was almost like reality. In fact, they, they interrupted their regularly scheduled broadcasts to bring you this news alert that meteorites struck New Jersey killing a thousand people. That's how they start the day. Um, now, now, did they? But but I had read that they had disclaimers. That they claimed that they had disclaimers. They do. Yeah, I mean, it was in the paper. I mean, that's how I found out what the schedule was for KDK. Uh, oh, okay. So uh, I mean, right, it was right. clearly there. Yeah. And and but. Say you tuned in at 8.14. And you didn't know. And you had no idea, and you hear this crash of a meteorite and and these people talking about these alien beings coming around, vaporizing cities. And say you had a family that lived in New Jersey, and uh, the only phone was at the corner store at that time in 1938. No cell phones, no smartphones, no tweeting. You're going to start getting worried. So there's a lot of housewives that were trying to call their husbands that were out traveling or family members that lived there. And and, um, people started getting legitimately worried huddling in churches all around Pittsburgh. 
Uh, people were calling the studio and could complain. Once they did find out that it was a hoax, or not necessarily a hoax, but just a dramatization. No, it was not a hoax. It was yeah. it was a dramatization. They, of, they, weren't, of they weren't trying to make it a, a hoax, but it, it just turned out that it was a. Uh, uh, it's illegal to do this now to to interrupt it with a legitimate news br- uh, uh, break. Uh, for uh, yeah, but you know, every every year at uh, at the April Fool's Day, somebody decides, <laughs> oh, you know what, those rules don't apply to me, and then they go and do something yeah. weird. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I mean, they even they went so far as this colonel here in Pittsburgh uh, who who called and tried to sue. He was the one of the founding members of the Carnegie Institute. He tried to sue WGAS for broadcasting, uh, but it wasn't their fault. It was the it was the broadcast. He didn't care. He didn't which care. originated? Uh, where, he where you, should, you shouldn't have. Uh, I, I believe it was in uh, RKO Studio, so it would have been uh, New York. Yeah, or either New York or the radio well, station I, or but, California. Now I've read various accounts of this, and I, I mean, I admit I haven't thought about it in many years, quite mm-hmm. frankly. But I remember reading various accounts that said that there were some people who were so upset, so anxious over this. That they actually committed suicide. Yeah, there's uh, in fact reports in the Post Gazette from that from the day after today on Halloween, where they mm-hmm. talked about this broadcast and how the uproar that caused here in Pittsburgh and also nationwide. But yeah, there was people here in Pittsburgh who came home to find their wives huddling in the bathtub with a bottle of cyanide, ready to drink it because they'd rather go that way than be blasted with ray guns and, <laughs> and attacked by Martians. But, but you have to. But you also have to ask. I mean, I would think. Okay, wouldn't you? Have a, a certain even even back then in 1938 have a certain healthy skepticism like oh, wait a minute this is on how come it's not on KDKA for example because mm-hmm. KDKA was a big gun then mm-hmm. uh, as it is now especially for news and information I think oh yeah so I mean wouldn't you then say oh wait a minute I got to tune into what's KDKA saying about mm-hmm. this and you turn over to KDKA and they're doing what what is it you said they were doing uh, the, the the Johnstown Symphony there you go yeah. so they'd be playing symphony music right. Mm-hmm. And then well, you see, say, so wait was, a minute, so something's KDK, not right. Uh, so was WJAS. They were also playing symphony music as well. And then all of a sudden you would be interrupted by a broadcast that now the Martians are approaching Pennsylvania. Okay. And so, like, unless you caught it at that right moment, uh, you couldn't. It wasn't oh, so DVR. this was not a continuous broadcast then? Right. Well, it was the live broadcast yeah. that, that went on for about uh, an hour. And it it would be periodically interrupted by these little news briefs and news flashes. Okay. So, so you figured if you change the channel, maybe you, you lost that. So it really or, then did sound like this mm-hmm. was breaking news. No, I mean, I remember my grandmother uh, telling me about when she heard it live in 1938, and she was a, a very well-read uh, girl for back in her days and was very familiar with the H.G. Wells story. and also knew the Mercury Theater. So if you, if you knew that the Mercury Theater was a dramatic play uh, that, that would do these radio shows, and also if you're familiar with books, yeah. And science fiction, at yeah, least, yeah. you would be fairly certain. But the, it was the way that Orson Welles did it would have made it unique. Yeah. And the fact that it made it like it was a live you, event. You, you know, you just reminded me of something, though. It involved aliens, but it didn't involve Halloween. But mm-hmm. back in the olden days, you could do elaborate April Fool's Day jokes, which mm-hmm. are now pretty much banned. Mm-hmm. Because you, you, people do get scared. They, get, they don't understand. They mishear something. They hear part of it, don't realize it's a joke, etc. But uh, John Cigna. The late John mm-hmm. Cigna, one of the classics. Cigna for April Fool's Day, without telling the management, of course, they knew nothing about it. And this mm-hmm. is true. They knew nothing about this. He goes on the air. And I was here. I was working at KDK at that time uh, when this happened. I remember it uh, very clearly. He goes on the air and talks about uh, there's a UFO that landed at you know some park. <laughs> I think he said North Park. And he kept this up, kept this up, kept this up. Well, coincidentally, and, and, and without his knowledge... The apparently the National Guard, Pennsylvania National Guard, was moving d- d- on maneuvers of some sort. Mm-hmm. So there were people who were hearing John say this, and they saw like a convoy of National Guard. <laughs> 
and they just put two and two together and came up with five, and people were panicked. Oh yeah. And of course, the management at that point, when the when the calls started coming in, and they were getting they were getting calls uh, from you know government authorities about this. Mm-hmm. It was a huge deal. Well, think about this too. Like same thing goes with the War of the Worlds broadcast, nineteen thirty eight. Just one month before this, in, yeah. in, here in Pittsburgh, there was there was a giant meteorite that hit. Oh, is that right? It's called the Chicora meteorite. They landed in Chicora, PA, and up near Butler. Really? Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. And so. People saw this all over. People reported it well, so, from so, uh, all over Pittsburgh. So once again, all these coincidences come together, and bingo, bango, you got to Yeah, you'd be like, well, hey, I, I saw one last month. I don't know why it can't be one again. So. All, right, all right. Coming up, we're going to talk about the uh, 1910 haunting, a haunted house where a guy comes out and he's clawing his own face off. That's correct. Oh, now you got my attention. All right. <laughs> that is coming up next. John Shelkowski, founder of the odd, mysterious, and fascinating history of Pittsburgh. Uh, more with him. And uh, I got the phone lines open, although I think you've mesmerized our <laughs> audience today. Uh, if you do have a question for him, get it in. I do have one on Dollar Bank Instant Access that uh, we're going to get to. In fact, I'll read it right now, and maybe you can address it, and then we'll talk about the 1910 haunted house. This uh, this is from Donald. Donald says, a long time ago, I had a terrible experience that I still can't stand thinking about. When I told my mother, she said she'd seen a book in my bedroom uh, that shouldn't have even been in her house. She told me reading or watching things that get deep into your soul can evoke invoke things that are not of this world. Her words still chill me. So we'll mm-hmm. talk about that. Mm-hmm. The suggestibility, I guess, is what we're talking about. It's all, uh, Odd Pittsburgh on Facebook. Odd Pittsburgh. Is that all one word or is it two all words? One word. All is one it, word. So that's email too, oddpittsburgh at gmail.com. So. Oddpittsburgh at gmail.com. All right, so check that out so you don't have to remember how to spell Shalkowski. Shulka- <laughs> yeah. I keep stumbling over. That's a tough what, What's the uh, origin? I'm, I'm glad of? I, I can remember how to spell it. You uh, know? Uh, uh, Polish. Oh, okay, yeah. Polish. Okay. Well, so am I, but mine's so much easier to spell. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but mine was worse. So, <laughs> all right. So, so let's talk about uh, just very briefly this, mm-hmm. the the uh, the listener Donald who wrote to to us. But he said that his mother said that if you read books or read or watch things that get deep into your soul, can invoke things that are not of this world. And that's kind of what I was saying in a way that you know, Exorcist had, had that effect on me. I won't. I didn't watch Paranormal Activity because I thought that would freak me out because mm-hmm. you know the ca- hidden cameras are not the hidden cameras. The, the surveillance cameras are picking up weird stuff while these people are sleeping. I don't even want to think about that, actually. Okay, so is that what does that make sense to you? Or is there, you know, it, it does somewhat. It's just uh, mind games, though, isn't it? I mean, it, it is. You know, it, it's, it's, I, I put it along the lines of an invisible friend. You know, when you're a kid, sometimes kids have invisible friends. Are okay. these people real? Are they just part of your imagination? Yeah. Are you are you in fact able to manifest this? But you don't. I mean, you're not saying that you think that reading something or watching something actually does in uh, invite some kind of demonic presence. I are personally you? do not. You do not. Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've played with the Ouija boards before, so that, and that's another thing I will not a, do. It's I just the same won't type do. of thing. Yeah, I won't do yeah. it. Yeah. It's um. It's more in your mind than anything else. Okay. Um, I mean, now I'm not saying that it's not possible because I mean, there's always a possibility that some kind of demon or, or something could well, come through. You know, being raised Catholic, uh, and, and I'm I'm not a I'm a lapsed Catholic. I admit it before people start yelling at me. Mm-hmm. I I freely admit it. I'm a lapsed Catholic, but I was raised Catholic. I went to, to Catholic school, and we were always taught, among all the other stuff that they teach, is that you not you do not dabble in those kinds of things. Oh yeah. In the occult or any of that stuff, or even 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 things like horoscopes because what you were doing is then opening yourself to potential contact or possession by, at the most extreme examples, of demonic entities. Well, you're going against the church. I mean, it's... Well, you're also going against the church, but that's true. But, but but, But I always took that to heart, and I actually, as crazy as it sounds... Because I'm a skeptic about just about everything else, but I think there's probably some truth to that. Well, put it this way. Uh, when you have 
you know, these types of spirits that come into these houses and psychic mediums that come and talk about them? How come they all speak perfect English? How come they're always like some old lady? You know, the, there was a large German population, large Polish, Italian. Yeah. Where's the, Where are all their ghosts at? Yeah. So you know? they don't have ghosts? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> all right. Tell me, tell me about this. Tell me about this 1910 uh, haunting. It's a good one. Uh, the corner of River, River Avenue and Madison Avenue, which is uh, the North Shore down there. Okay. Uh, almost directly where 279 is today. Okay. Uh, this house was torn down right before that. Uh, there was a 14-year-old boy that went missing named James Friel. Uh, there was a neighborhood haunted house that was located there at River Avenue. It was the house that all the kids would point at and be like, oh, don't go in there, or they'd dare each other to go in there. Okay. Um, so one night, this is in uh, December, right after Christmas, so December 26th, somebody oh, entered this haunted house. Of what house. year? 19, well, this would have been 1909, Okay. actually, is when they entered the building. All right. And they found this James Friel, this 14-year-old boy. Uh, just uh, compl- uh, killed in in this house. Found his body. Found he was he body. was murdered. He was murdered in the house. Okay, uh, which added obviously added more to the legend of the actual haunted house. Okay, um, but that's not where the story gets strange. A week later, they're still investigating the murder because it's it, in fact it's still unsolved, and uh, they the the neighborhood children claim that they saw this man coming out of the building, uh, out of nowhere, and uh, he was covering his face the whole time. And he was wearing a hat and. He was walking down River Avenue, turned out of Madison Avenue, kept on continuing down the street, went to an alleyway uh, to where the, the boys themselves knew that there was no end to this alleyway. I mean, it just ended. Mm-hmm. Um, they they had enough guts to go up and talk to the man and say, like, what are you doing here? What, you know, why did you come out of that house? He's like, our friend was just murdered there. And was, he wasn't saying anything. He just kept on holding his face and holding his face. And they come up and approach him, and he turns around. He's trying to claw out his own eyes. He's clawing out his own eyes. From what he saw. Now, this article in 1910 from the Pittsburgh Post, like, is that? And this recounts Says this. it right there. <laughs> <laughs> and this is in January of 1910. It's not like it's a Halloween well, story. Well, so did, did they ever find out who this guy was? They never did. But in 1940s, there was a similar murder that happened uh, in uh, just a, a little bit down the road. And they claimed that maybe... There's a connection between the two. It was very similar the way they found well, the body. Well, but it sounds like it sounds like a pervert, and it sounds like a serial, serial killer. killer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I mean, not nothing nothing necessarily um, supernatural about that. Just right. perverted, right? Well, see the what they can't explain is this man that they found well, they uh, coming out of the is. house. They 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 know for sure because the police did clear him of any kind of murder charges. They didn't have any. Uh, Skin of the victims well, underneath well, did his he, fingernails. Did, I mean, or, was he actually clawing his eyes out? Yeah, he was clawing his face oh out. God. He was clawing his face and his eyes, and he just couldn't stand to see anymore <laughs> after whatever he saw in this house on River Avenue. It's too weird. Uh, Christina, South Hills, uh, you're going to have to make it real quick because we're really low on time. What's your point? Uh, my point is just I do believe that if you read or watch TV or play with a Ouija board, something that you would invite bad spirits into your life. I was raised believing that, and I don't know. I just never have tested it. Yeah, I, I kind of feel the same way. You know, that brings me back to to this, uh, John. That you know, this uh, live exorcism tonight in mm-hmm. St. Louis, or wherever this, this is supposed to be a very uh, haunted house. Um, but but one of the things that one of the experts, I, I think it was one of the religious people, said, uh, and I can't find the name now, but but they're talking about how you know you don't want to dabble with this, you don't want to get involved in this because you you can open yourself up to well, demonic possession. Here's the other thing, the way to look at that, you know, Christianity is one religion. You know, there's Buddhism, well, that's true. Jewish. Yeah, yeah. Where are all these exorcists? Where are all these ghosts yeah. in the in the Taoist faith? <laughs> you know, well, how come it's always 
Yeah, but don't they have? I mean, I thought that in their tradition they have some. They have similar types of things. They just don't call them necessarily demons. But well, have, people still believe in magic. I mean, well, okay. and, and that's, that's the uh, and that's the case. I mean, oh. it is a superstition. So oh, here I found it. I found, it's actually not a religious guy. He's a uh, former star of Travel Channel's Ghost Adventures. He said this. This is about the house in, in uh, St. Louis. It's waiting there about about an entity there possessed of an evil entity is the is the the, the tradition at this particular house. It's waiting there to attack somebody else who is going to come in and let themselves open and open themselves up so it can attach itself to that individual in our reality. That's what scares me more than anything. That's mm-hmm. what I'm talking about. Hey, I'm going to do something I, I haven't done before, ever. Uh, we are going to change the subject because we have a listener who a listener had suggested a guest, and we're going to talk to this gentleman. He's a retired SEAL right off the top at 205. But we still have another half hour at 2.30. Can you come back and tell the rest of these stories? Of or course. Or at least some yeah. of them? Of course. Oh, that'd be great. Okay, so 2.30, 2.35, you will be here to wrap up some of these other stories that we didn't get to. Mm-hmm. Outstanding. John Shalkowski is the founder of the odd, mysterious, and fascinating history of Pittsburgh. I, I, think, our, uh, I think our odd Pittsburgh guy is out getting a bite to eat. Or is he out there? We could bring him back. If, if we want. Uh, our uh, telephone number is 866-391-1020. Here's what I thought we would do. is Halloween, uh, e- Halloween Eve. And if you uh, had, an, uh, you know, your own little story to tell, have you ever had an instance where you thought, I've just experienced something supernatural that I cannot explain? Give me a call. Our number is 866-391-1020. Mean- meantime, we'll try and find our... Our uh, buddy from Odd, Mysterious, and Fascinating History of Pittsburgh. I think he may have stepped out either for a smoke break or <laughs> to get something to eat. Because <laughs> I told him I, we're going to do this interview, and which we thought we had all, you know, that we were ready to go, and we're not. So, what what can I do? Uh, anyway, John Shalkowski will be returning in a few minutes. But if you've got a uh, your own ghost story, I'll tell mine real quick. Uh, some of you may have heard this one before. There's, most of the time, I'm I am skeptical about this stuff. There were two things that happened. One of them was uh, one night on KDK. It was a Halloween thing where we were ghost hunting, and I forget where this was, but I think it was one of the theaters in downtown Pittsburgh, uh, and I forget which one. There was supposedly haunted areas there. We had we had our uh, ghost hunter psychic Nancy Zetley with us, and we were talking about the cold spots that supposedly occur when there is a ghostly presence or something like some supernatural force that sometimes you'll, you'll, you know, the room will be a temperature, but there'll be one spot in the room that's like ice cold. Well, we're sitting around this table. It wasn't a seance or anything, but we're live broadcasting and, and we're sitting around this table and she's talking about how she can, she's sensing a presence of something in the room. And suddenly I had my hand on my lap and suddenly, I got this amazingly cold chill right there on that spot on one hand. Unbelievable. And rather scary. The, others, the other instance that I have talked about this as well, this was not on there. This was a long, long time ago before I got to KDK. Uh, I was visiting this uh, tourist attraction in eastern Pennsylvania. And it was a... Uh, they call it a pagoda or something to that effect in, in Reading, Pennsylvania. I don't even know whether it still exists. It may. It's like a little tourist attraction there. It looked like a Japanese pagoda. You could climb up in the thing. And there was a balcony at the almost the top, not quite the top. Walk out on the balcony. Walked out on the balcony. There's a little bench there. 
and I was married at the time. My wife was there with me. So two people experienced this. We're sitting there, this woman, young woman, in a kimono. I mean, full out, honest to God, dressed to the nines in a kimono, walks out on the balcony, just stands there staring into space. And I'm looking at her and saying, who the heck is this? What's this all about? And she says, oh, it's raining. And then she turns around, she walks back in, and I heard her climb the rest of the stairs to the top of the building. And so we're like looking at each other. So what was that all about? So we go in right after her. We can hear her going up these stairs, the final couple flights of stairs, to the very tip top of this building. So we climb up behind her to see who is this person. We get to the top, no more footsteps, and no lady in a kimono. And as this happened, both of us had the proverbial hair standing up on the back of our heads, on the back of our necks, I mean. And to the, in fact, it's happening to me right now when I think about this. To this day, and we talked about this at length, I mean, for hours talking about what the heck, where did that woman go? And we never did find her. We never saw her. We never knew any explanation whatsoever. It was the weirdest thing that I've ever experienced. And to this day, I cannot explain it. Is Did I see a ghost? Was I hallucinating? Well, if I was, then there were two people hallucinating at the same time. So did we see a ghost? I have no idea. I got uh, one minute here. Rick in Uniontown. Rick, uh, give me... Give me your thoughts right here in 60 seconds. Go. I, I got a quick question. I'm, I'm not, I'm very skeptical when it comes to ghosts and so on and so forth. As am I. I have a question. I have deja vu, what they call deja vu a lot. Yes. Is that kind of the same thing? Um, it, it, well, some people think of uh, you know, deja vu sometimes. Uh, I think everybody has deja vu, but there are people who believe that uh, that it's not like deja vu. Uh, as a, a psychological experience, they believe it's actually a, a, a remembrance of a past life. So some people think it's actually more than just deja vu. But I think pretty much everybody has deja vu from time to time because something will trigger something in your mind that you think, wait a minute, I've been here before. Uh, somebody said the same thing the last time that we experienced this. I've been in this place before, even though I don't ever remember being here, but I feel like I was, that kind of thing. So, yeah, I think that's a very real psychological phenomena. But does it mean anything other than that is a psychological phenomena? Because something that in the, in the, in the present situation that you find yourself in uh, triggers a memory or an actual memory, but now you've conflated the two things? I don't know, because I'm not a psychologist. I tend to believe that. I tend to believe that it's not a recollection of a past life. It is simply a psychological phenomenon that happens to just about every human being. All right, uh, we found John, and he's he's back. <laughs> Sorry we shortened your, your smoke break there or your food break. Uh, we're going to continue with you in just a few minutes. All right, John? Uh, more of the odd and mysterious stuff in Pittsburgh with John Shalkowski. Joining us again, John Shalkowski because we didn't finish your stories, uh, founder of the Odd, Mysterious, and Fascinating History of Pittsburgh on Facebook, Odd Pittsburgh on Facebook, and your email address is oddpittsburgh at gmail.com. So if you, exactly if you have a story to tell, you know about a haunted house or something like that, but you also get into other things too, yeah. not just hauntings and stuff like that. Just, yeah, I always just, like the bizarre and unusual things. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but, we're, but we're talking about the, the mysterious stuff. Now, I, I, when you stepped out for a few minutes, I got this, this instant dollar bank instant access from Lisa. Lisa says... Mike, because we were talking about the World of Worlds broadcast and how people took it so seriously because it sounded real. Mm -hmm. And Lisa says, you know, this may contradict how some people reacted to the War of the Worlds during 9-11. She said, I was listening to the radio when they hit the Twin Towers. PBS continued to do their fundraising despite what was going on in New York. I instead listened to your station. 
Hmm. I don't know. I, whatever, for whatever that means. Well, that's inter- I mean, that's that goes along with the uh, belief like we were talking about earlier, how if you change the channel and expect that same news broadcast right. to be on a different channel. And so if it yeah, wasn't. Yeah. yeah. But in, in the case of the War of the Worlds, which is uh, was set, you said 77 years ago today, tonight, eight o'clock, at eight o'clock, started. Yeah. it was actually broadcast on on one of our competitors. Mm-hmm. KDK was playing symphony music, mm-hmm. and I'd said to you, wouldn't there be a healthy skepticism where you would have turned over to another station to see if, in fact, they were reporting on this asteroid or meteorite that had crashed and killed a thousand people, and there were little green men shooting ray guns and all that stuff. We'll just check yesterday's paper. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> for the listings, but and they actually had the listings, so they yeah. so they did the, they did their due diligence in terms of uh, you know like a warning that this is actually fictional, this mm-hmm. is not real, but people didn't hear it. And so they took it as real. And especially people that weren't listening to the radio. Imagine someone running down your street saying, you know, the Martians are coming. <laughs> <laughs> but you had, you had also said that, that coincidentally, a month before, a mm-hmm. little less than a month before, right? Right. Uh, a, an actual meteor, meteor did hit near what you uh, said? Chakora, PA. Yeah, they Chikora. call it the Chakora meteorite. It's, uh, a couple pieces are still in the Carnegie Museum today Okay, uh, that, that are on display. So people who knew that then were hearing about the little green men uh, crashing uh, into the earth with yeah, uh, well, seemingly the, meteors the, but were actually flying saucers. Yeah, the story starts off with a meteorite crash. That's right. how the aliens come here to earth. Yeah. Uh, through Disguised a as a meteor. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> okay. And uh, to put two and two together uh, and being, say, you're out in some random farm up in Chakora, PA, you might really believe it's the end of the world. Yeah, and, you, and if you'd heard about this story, then you're going to think, oh, my God, it really is true. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, let's talk about some of you, you also want to talk about uh, the north north side, mm-hmm. uh, the uh, uh, Allegheny City. Yeah, there's a couple interesting I've never stories. even heard of that, when you, you, but you called it the dark area. Yeah, the dark place is okay. what the uh, Native Americans called it. Okay. Now, you got to remember that when you talk about Pittsburgh history, most people just talk maybe at the most back to the French and Indian Wars, 1850, 1860. Uh, they don't really talk too much about what was going on before uh, the French and the Indians and the and the British were here in Pittsburgh. But you got to remember that Pittsburgh has always been here. It was here a thousand years ago. It was here ten thousand years ago. Yeah, they just here a million it, years ago. They didn't call it Pittsburgh. It was Pittsburgh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, so there's so much history here that is yet will probably never be uncovered, just be, because of the sheer amount of time that has taken place. But um, during the legends of the Lenny Lenape people and some of the other Native American tribes that were here. Uh, always claimed that the, the entire north side and all of Allegheny City uh, was, they call the dark place, full of monsters, uh, beasts that would hide in the woods. It was very foggy. It was a big forest at the time. And uh, even the Native Americans would stay clear of this area. Because they believed it was uh, haunted. Demons, with, yeah. With demons, demons and their, uh, the Native American spirits uh, that were just uh, many from animals, uh, a lot of animals that were just killed without using their uh, their substance from it. Uh, see, when uh, Native Americans would kill something, they would pray to it or at least use every part of it so it mm-hmm. didn't come to waste. You release that spirit of the animal. They believe that this, this place was full of spirit animals. And so this is currently the north side. Exactly. It's okay. currently well, the north side. Yeah. The Steelers better look out because the Bengals are going to be there. Well, they better look out even worse because <laughs> the, the stadium, where the stadium is today, yes, that was an island called Smoky Island. Wait a minute, where, where Heinz Field is today. Correct. Where Heinz Field is today, that was a uh, little area called Smoky Island. It was once an island, a sandbar, basically. Okay. Uh, it was full of demons. No, this is even worse because this is a true life uh, tale where during the French and Indian Wars, if they captured the British, they would bring you to this island and torture you and full view of your family oh. that was living down at Fort Pitt and old Fort Duquesne as well. Yeah. Uh, and now I'm talking burning at the stake, scalping people, running oh. around, dancing around and being covered in their blood and 
and taunting the people that were at the point. And this was a uh, this island lasts until about 1820s. Uh, it appears on every early map of Pittsburgh, and then uh, out, out, out after that, it just disappears from maps. All right, we're, we're gonna we're gonna pick it up in the next half hour. All right, so you told we were in a little break, and you said, "Well, you know, the National Aviary is haunted." I said, "Wait a minute, I'm a member of the Aviary. Mm-hmm. I've never felt any hauntings over there." So yep. talk about that. It's a it's a well known and well reported um, haunting. Uh, many claim that it's leftovers from a Civil War uh, prisoners that were once held at Western Penitentiary. Now the Aviary, if you uh, did not know, sits in the exact same spot as Western Penitentiary, the original Western Penitentiary. Well, wait a minute, because Western Pen is like way down the river, right, where uh-huh. it was moved. Correct. Okay, because it, it's a bike path now that kind of ends there. And, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. All the right. the original prison stood about eighteen twenty. Um, in oh, fact, it, okay. it became more famous uh, when Charles Dickens came to Pittsburgh in the uh, 1842. He came uh, as a tour okay. uh, from England, and he toured the prison. Okay. He said the conditions were so horrible in that prison in 1842, and people were chained up and, and forced to wear, like, balls and chains, that he based the character Jacob Marley and the way that he looked Seriously? on the conditions that he saw at oh my God. Western Penitentiary while who, he was in Pittsburgh. Who knew? Okay, so yeah. so the but now the aviary sits on that same property. Right. Now, if you if you look at an overview, an overlaid map of the same exact area okay. uh, throughout the time, including when the aviary is here today, okay. all the way back to the 1820s, there's clearly a cemetery buried right next uh, here, to the building. Here, you know, why is it that buildings, uh, things they built over cemeteries end up being haunted? Why mm-hmm. is that? You know, uh, some say it's a restless soul. They just want to be left alone. It's and, in the and, movies. It's in real yeah, life. And now right? you're not leaving them alone and uh, not remembering them, uh, just like we were talking earlier. Isn't that what happened with Poltergeist? There was an yeah. Indian burial ground there yeah. in the movie? Oh, exactly. Okay. Well, right, and uh, well. now the, the, the aviary themselves probably do not have an idea that the cemetery is located there. This is something that only if you have a map from these early days would you know where it's located. Yeah, but didn't you just tell me that the National Aviary does does their own little haunted uh, ghost well, tour? Yeah, and and that's that's where the evidence backs up those stories. Okay. <laughs> so, all, all right, so yeah. what, what well, what weird things, to your knowledge, have happened at the aviary that indicate that there's People some People cl- of- uh, claim a lot of cold spots that are unusual, even in the middle of summer. Uh, you'd be walking around, all of a sudden it feels like it's 30 degrees in there. Okay. Uh, people have been heard walking up and down the steps. People have seen visions of these uh, Civil War soldiers. Really? Yeah, left over from the, uh, a battle called Morgan's Raid during the Civil War, which was the cl- closest skirmish to Pittsburgh. And uh, they captured these these men, and they put them in the prison there. You you also told me uh, that we should talk about the public executions that used to occur in Pittsburgh. Yeah, yeah. All so right, go, go ahead. Public execution uh, was a very, very commonplace thing here in Pittsburgh. I think they should do that again, <laughs> frankly, but they need to carry it out swiftly. Right, yeah. And uh, this one uh, wasn't necessarily swiftly. It was a hanging. But uh, the last person was named John Tiernan, uh, and he killed a woman out and uh, was sentenced to death. By hanging, uh, the judge himself was the one who cut who cut the released the trap door to the uh, the gallows here downtown. And the gallows were located at the corner of Ross Street and Grant, mm. exactly where the open part is of the old Allegheny Jail. Right okay. uh, now, what they used to do with the bodies after you died was just bury you right underneath the gallows. Well, it's as good a place as any, right? Yeah. So, um, so now you're going to tell me there's hauntings there now today in the courthouse. It and could the, be many different explanations of uh, some weird occurrences and weird happenings downtown Pittsburgh. You got to remember too how many people died downtown Pittsburgh. You could throw a rock in any direction and hit where someone's probably buried or died. Well, uh, this, it's a very old city I mean, yeah. when it comes down to. I mean, for yeah. for the United States, and as you pointed out, there were there were Native Americans here mm-hmm. long before. The cemetery is down at the point. Yeah, there's three the, cemeteries. I, I have a couple of headlines here uh, that I that I wanted to get to. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but but let me grab Pam Pam here on the. She just dialed in. Uh, Pam, can you succinctly uh, ask the question? Yeah, I wanted to know I, if your guest has had any uh, knowledge of anything in the Frick House because I took a tour of it and I felt real uneasy. And I asked the tour guide at the end, and he seemed to be a little upset. And that, that you asked about hauntings, or well, I said, is there is, is there a ghost or is, is anything strange happened here? And he kind of was upset that I asked that, and just he said no. I <laughs> uh, do you know of anything. Yeah, yeah. In fact, it's a, a very well reported haunting uh, there at Clayton, which is the Frick home. Okay, and um, it's said to be uh, some of the children of the Frick uh, of, of Henry Clay Frick. And also some of the different, uh, just all their stuff is still there. I mean, if you go up into the third floor, which you're not allowed to go into, it's all of their belongings are still packed away. It's just like they're still living there. Well, so why would the? I mean, the guy would be. She said he didn't like her asking about that, or are they are they trying some to? Some people like, are a little they're above all of that. Yeah, or? some people you know want to concentrate more on the house, more on okay. the history, the location. I mean, it, and it's important to talk about these ghosts and these yeah. haunting, and because you're remembering these people, these stories. If I didn't mention these ghosts of that uh, that John Friel, would you have? Any idea what that kid's name was? The guy, the guy with the, was clawing his eyes out there, yeah. uh, coming out of yeah, that exactly. bizarre house. Yeah, okay. the, these are ways to remember people, not, yeah. not just a spooky well, tale. I'll remember that for sure. <laughs> yeah, All one. right, now here's a here's one of our listeners wrote in on Dollar Bank Instant Access. Instant Access at kdka.com is the address. Uh, Gene writes, Mike, I don't know whether or not you talked about this yet, but there was a demonic presence in a home in Brentwood mm-hmm. on Brownsville Road. The home was and is still owned by Bob Cranmer, former Allegheny County Commissioner. He wrote a book about it, The Demon of Brownsville Road. Actually, we interviewed him about that. We had Father Ron was in here uh, from the Catholic Diocese of Pittsburgh. That They were involved in the, I guess you would call it an exorcism or something similar Mm -hmm. uh, to get this. Now, your, your thoughts on that? Well, that particular story, and I, I mean, I was on the waiting list for that book, and I came the day it came out. You know, mm-hmm. I, and I you was got reading it. it. Okay, all right. <laughs> and um, it's a very interesting story. You know, emphasis. I'm, on I'm getting the feeling story. that you're, I'm, I'm getting the feeling that you're not a believer. Uh, no, um, yeah, I, I, that one in particular. Uh, when it comes to backing up all the evidence that's come before from the previous owners who did live there, mm-hmm. uh, many who have been found and contacted all claim nothing has ever happened to them. Mm-hmm. Why is it all of a sudden happened now? Okay. Now there might be actually something to why it was happening when when Bob was living there, uh, and, and with with just the family issues and the house and how the psychological effects can manifest themselves sometimes. They say the... But you don't think it was anything supernatural? No, I don't believe it was some you kind of demon you aren't, you aren't or, or, or you know, the walls are bleeding or anything but, like but that. But now you... Um, okay, we we have a minute here before we're going to check on traffic, and we'll continue the conversation mm-hmm. in the next segment if we don't finish it now. But you also have let, have told me that you have been involved in... Uh, what paranormal investigations? Yeah, ever since I was so, a teenager. So you're not, you're yeah. not, you. I mean, you said that you're a skeptic on these things, and mm-hmm. yet you are telling us these stories, yeah. <laughs> and you, you do believe that some of these stories have some validity. Yeah, the, the, the skeptic okay. is the definition of a truth seeker. Okay, uh, so but yeah. you do do investigations, absolutely. Okay, and you've done some here in Pittsburgh yeah, and, yeah. and surrounding. Yeah, and some that are very legitimate. And, and you've yeah. said that you've had some experiences, absolutely. All right, so yeah. when we continue, can you share a couple of those with us? Of course. And we continue one last segment here with John Shalkowski. John, thank you for coming in today. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, we appreciate this. This was actually a recommendation from our morning show host, Andy Lindbergh, mm-hmm. who was uh, yeah, who was working with me today. Uh, oh, did I call him a host? Look at that. I, I promoted Andy to host. <laughs> I, ho- I hope you're hope you're listening, Andy. <laughs> and Larry Richards out there saying, wait a minute, Andy's a host? No, he's, wait a minute, hold on a second here. <laughs> 
I misspoke. I'm so sorry. Andy Lindbergh is the producer of the morning uh, news with Larry and John. And he was actually working with me today because we had, we had a little snafu going on here today. And I said, you know, I'm really looking for something fun this afternoon because, uh, you know, uh, there's not a lot of hard news that I want to talk about right now other than politics. And I get tired of talking about politics. So Andy suggested you, and I appreciate you coming in. No problem. All right. All right. So you have been – you're a skeptic mm-hmm. about these haunted stuff that we've been talking about, uh, these haunted places in Pittsburgh and these stories. But you have done the investigations, and absolutely. you have had experiences that lead you to believe, what, that this stuff is real? Yeah, absolutely. All right, talk about it. Yeah, I have a great example, and this house is involved on Evergreen Road in Ross Township. Okay. Uh, the, the home itself is one of the oldest houses in Pittsburgh. It was built in 1812, so it's, uh, it's an old one. All right. And uh, the owner was a Revolutionary War soldier named Jacob Weitzel. Uh, who passed away in this home? Not violently or anything like that. But he just passed away. Just normal, everyday things. Wait a minute. When was this house built? Eighteen twenty. Eighteen twenty. So seventeen seventy six was mm-hmm. when the nation was founded. So he was still alive when they. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, and then his whole family lived. And in fact, the family continued uh, living there until nineteen ten. That's how okay. long this Weitzel family owned okay. this home. All right. Um, and now. While there's not any reportings of, of hauntings or anything back in 1910 for this house, there are many coming up following, which is 1930s, there's reportings, 1950s, there's other reportings. Almost every person who's ever lived in this house has reported something or... or okay, so you, to, go to, you, know, there. you go to investigate. I get a call to investigate this house. Um, as a historian and a researcher, that's what I base all my facts on. So I research the history of the house. That's why I can tell you everyone's ever lived there, ever died there. Every old house has people that died. It doesn't make it necessarily haunted. Okay. So I go in there right away as a skeptic. Uh, I go into this house by myself, <laughs> and uh, it is the middle of the day, mind you, and maybe June. It's not like a haunted time. Okay. I'm walking around. Um, I start getting these weird smells, that things that not normally would be experienced in this abandoned. This house has been abandoned. It still is abandoned for the last seven years or so. And um, I started getting smells like a cookout was happening. And, uh, and, but inside the home, it's very overwhelming smell. Mm-hmm. Uh, you go outside the door, there's, there's not nothing. There's nothing. Um, I started taking just photographs of the inside of the house because I was curious in the, just the history of the home, uh, more so than even the people that were supposedly haunting this place. And in almost every photograph, there's weird things. I this mist appears in a photograph. I have a full-blown apparition of a woman. Uh, in one of these. And this isn't a photograph. It's a photograph. How is it? Okay, but did you actually see the woman when you took the photograph? No. I mean, I felt like so, there was something, someone there with me. Uh, and no doubt about that. I had a... Um, I'm, I, see, I'm getting the proverbial goose flesh right now, once again. I'm, we're sitting here in a lighted studio, and I'm, still, yeah. I'm I'm actually freaked out right now. But how is it that these uh, th- these images occur mm-hmm. on, a, on a photograph? Some say you can capture this energy and these, but you can't. Uh, but you're, but you're taking the picture and you're not seeing anything. No. But when you print I, the photograph, yeah, uh, there, I had one that's even more disturbing. I didn't know. I did. I took. The, I was there in 2010 is when I investigated this was house. It, was it digital or film? That it was a digital, digital, digital camera. So yeah. it happens with digital f- cameras. Yeah, okay. and I was uh, just taking. I mean, random photos of the house. No, okay. I was okay. not looking for anything. Okay, and uh, there was an interesting old doorknob with a skeleton key. Okay. Hole. And I uh, took a picture of that because it's a neat door handle. You don't yeah. see those too often. Uh, just this year, I, I posted on my own personal Facebook page, and somebody's like, do you see that in that keyhole? And I was like, what are you talking about? I go look at the picture. This is clear as day. There's a, somebody looking through this keyhole in oh. this photograph. And this this door was wide, like propped open oh. against a door. There was no way for anybody to be there. And in somebody's the looking in the <laughs> It's just clear. It's it's the scariest, this is not, creepiest photo I've ever seen. This is not Photoshopped. You didn't do To know anything. that I was standing there taking these photos and 
for this something to be looking in the, through the and, other and side. And where is this house again? Because we're just about That's out of on time. Evergreen Road. Evergreen uh, Road. Right almost behind Valiant's Diner, if you're familiar with that. And nobody lives in it now. Nope. It's still uh, still abandoned. It's oh, boarded man. up right now, currently. But. Somebody's looking through the keyhole. Yeah. It's uh, it's the most disturbing photo I've ever taken, I think. And where is this photo? Right, Where, where can we see it's this on my per- I'll, I'll post to the KDK uh News page. Okay, so later on this afternoon it'll be yeah. there. It, right. It's pretty. It's pretty terrifying. <laughs> I'll tell you what, John. Happy Halloween! Yeah, right? happy Halloween, everybody. <laughs> John, I know you got lots more stories that we didn't get to. Uh, we thousands. To get... I got thousands. <laughs> All right. Well, you're going to come back, although not today, because I'm done. We're both done at this point. John John Shalkowski, founder of the Odd, Mysterious, and Fascinating History of Pittsburgh. His Facebook page is Odd Pittsburgh. You can email him, contact him, Odd Pittsburgh at gmail.com. John, appreciate it very much. Thanks again, Mike. Take care.